Activate your energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by the amazing Ella Barnard. Ella Barnard is the host of the Author Like a Boss podcast and owner of Author Boss Academy. She is an author and publishing coach who loves helping creative people connect with their audiences and with each other. Her superpower is finding the most effective and least complicated tools for every step of publishing and marketing. She is also a cat, la- cat lady, obsessed with dragons, and passionate about helping creative people make money with their craft. Ella is committed to using positivity to spark productivity and has seven years of experience as a marketing and mindset mentor for entrepreneurs, coaches, and creative women from all walks of life. Ella, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Daniel. I am very excited to be chatting with you. <laughs> I'm super excited to be talking to you. I mean, we had a little bit of a chat yeah. before we started recording about sort of some yeah. of the similarities in, you know, what we do and, you know, how, how we think. But I wanted to kind of start by going in a bit of a weird direction based off of your introduction, because I feel like we also share another passion and it's one that you'll probably see behind me and that's dragons. So what is your obsession with dragons? Okay, so dragons, so I have like dreams, like in my dreams, many, 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 many times I've turned into a dragon. (laughs) Like like, like, I shift into a dragon and like fly around. Like I can like, and then some, I can like on call, like pull out my wings and like, I'm like, okay. And usually they're like rescuing. Cause I do a lot of rescue dreams. Like I'm like, <laughs> people need help. You know, <laughs> like my wings come out and I'm like, okay, let's go. And so, um, that's plus like, that's a lot, but like, because probably because I love them because they're like big, magical, <laughs> Mm-hmm. and the books my favorite books that I read in them they're smart like super duper intelligent and like fierce voiced so, by Sean Connery yes yes <laughs> I I really just I just love I actually you know uh, at one point like I grew up in a conservative religion and when I left it I was like what do I want to believe in mm-hmm. <laughs> like what new beliefs do I want to have what do I really have and like prefacing this by saying all my beliefs are based on like, I'm like, does this make me a better person? <laughs> like, does this help me be a better, does this allow me to be a better person and show up as my best self? So that's like, I'm like, that's the the bar for my beliefs. I love that. And at one point I was like, does be- believing in dragons make me a better person? And I'm like, yes, it does. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, it does. We just can't see them because they're magical and smart. Mm -hmm. And do I love the idea of living in a world with dragons? Yes. So that's kind of like, they just make me happy, basically. I love that. And I'm incredibly jealous of just dreams where you shift into the dragon. I've never had anything like that. I've had, you know, dreams where they'll kind of like appear in the distance, like not even that many, just a couple, but like to actually transform into the dragon. That's, that's power. Yeah, it's, it's. And, and it's like symbolic, like one time, like, like at one time at like a really, you know, learning 
difficult challenge time in my life. And then I had a realization, you know, one of kind of those like core, like self-realization. And I had a dream that I was like looking in a mirror, like different mirrors at a time, like past, past previous to this realization, current realization and the future. Mm. And it's like, do, do, do. and then in the last one, I looked in the mirror and it was like, freaking awesome dragon like fire breathing <laughs> dragon and i was like that's my that's my best self that's who i am yeah dragons are my spirit i'm a goddamn dragon <laughs> yes. what what color dragon and is it a particular because i know you can get different elemental dragons like yeah it, yeah mine's fire. purple purple for purple. sure purple is my deep 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 purple though like a dark royal darker like if there was like a midnight purple, that purple. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know how to segue away from dragons, but I just okay, I was okay. incredibly, <laughs> but we'll, we'll find a way. So <laughs> why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself and your writing journey and how you got to where yeah. you are today? Well, I started reading a lot of fantasy with dragons in it. There we go. Segway. Boom. Bring it around. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I started reading romance and then I turned into fantasy romance and then I went to fantasy, mm. but, you know, but, um, so I, but I, I've had quite a few challenges. Like, I don't think I grew up, like I grew up struggle, struggle emotionally mostly. And so books have always been like my safe place where I can, it's a safe place. And I think they are for a lot of people. So I don't think that's very unusual. So I've read a ton, like I've probably read tens of thousands of books in my life because I just, they're my, I'd rather read a book than watch a movie. I'd rather read a book than watch TV. I'd rather, you know, it's my go-to. And so, you know, I grew up like, how, what can I do with a job with books? But I wasn't raised in a situation where like people would encourage me to do that kind of thing. It was like, oh, do something reliable, be a teacher. And I love kids too. So I did end up being a teacher, but it turns out while I'm really great at loving kids and like, you know, <laughs> loving kids. And I was young. I wasn't that great at like imparting the information in the structure that the school provided. <laughs> like oh, I'm like kind of key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, and I, I and I'm like within the context of like I was teaching special ed in New York City, brand new high schoolers going through puberty. So like it wasn't just me, but this the environment wasn't supportive enough for me to do it well, and so. Mm. So I stopped that and I was like, okay, went back to adminning and I'm like, this is not admin assistant is not fulfilling me at all. And so I'm like, what can I do to go back, do something with that? I love with books. And so I just started reaching, you know, and I've had like a shelf of like books about writing, like that's just grown, grown, grown like <laughs> over the years, but I never was writing. I never thought I could. And, uh, but I would just like read the books. I'm like, oh yeah, and Lamont's Bird by Bird. I'm just going to casually read Stephen King's on writing. Just, you know, because um, I love books and I love, and so it, gradually I, I started looking at all these entrepreneurial stuff because I don't like other people telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of business can I have? Da, da, da. And I got into, and this, you know, self-publishing started becoming a thing as I'm looking at the entrepreneurial stuff. I'm like, hmm this is kind of amazing that you can just, you know, put a book out and somebody can read it. Uh, but I wasn't brave enough to put the book out myself. So I just started, I basically started like interviewing. I started my own podcast and just kind of got into the space and talking to, I started a Facebook group for authors 
And then after I started that Facebook group um, and a bunch of people came in, I was like, hmm, I could teach, I could figure out how to help them. And, uh, and then I started a podcast because I'm like, I'll just do that and see if people want to be on it. And I emailed people and they said, or Facebook messaged them and they said, yes. And I'm like, I am nobody, but they were like, yeah, sure. Cause people in the space are so lovely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I interviewed, you know, over, like 70 authors. And then finally I'm like, okay, let me, let me put together what they, all they've taught me, like everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard like consistently from all the authors, like what shows up all the time. I created a program to try and help people help authors. And, um, and I've just now come to the realization because for a long time, I didn't, I wasn't valuing myself. So I'm like, Oh, people aren't buying it because they didn't, you know, I I was framing it as like, people didn't trust me because I haven't done it myself, which they didn't like people weren't buying it because I hadn't done it myself. But I recently came to the understanding that like, there's a different perspective. I created that program based off of the information from like 50 plus six figure authors. So it isn't just one author's one author made it wanted to help people and then shared their one way that they did it. (laughs) Mine was, I interviewed like 70 people created the program based off of all of their successes. And then, um, and then I was like, well, let me do the program. <laughs> let me do my program myself now. Cause I had the, cause at that point I had the courage. Like I was like, I'm ready to do my own fiction <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me try. And it was kind of like, almost like, it was almost kind of like a, what the fuck, you know, screw it. I'm mm-hmm. just going to do it <laughs> at that point. And so I did, I did my own program. I, and, uh, I published the, and I had all the same mindset, like I, in December, 2019, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I found, fa- I'm going to write a short romances because I'm a slow writer and I don't like, I'm not a fast writer. And I like writing takes time to make money mostly because of the time that it takes to write. <laughs> and so I started with short romances because I'm like, oh, that's less time between releases because it's just, they're shorter and they're about 10 to 15,000 words. So like 40 to 50 Amazon pages. So short. Mm. And so I was able to, um, release relatively quickly, um, on brand doing all the things that I'd learned from all these other authors. And so I want that context to be, cause I don't want everybody to think they can just go out and make, you know, have <laughs> Like you can go out and have the success that I did, but it's like within the context of I'd interviewed a bazillion, like, like a mm-hmm. lot of people and spent a lot of time thinking about exactly what they did so that I could repeat it, but it worked. And within, um, so, I, so December, I was like, I'm going to release it in January, mid January. I was like, I'm scared. And then there, and because I'm scared, I haven't actually finished the thing that I need to release in the next two weeks. So then I buckled down because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to keep my word to myself. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And so on January 31st of 2020, <laughs> my book, my first fiction short story novel came out under my pen name, Liz Fox. And, uh, and then I, I did the program. I kept releasing and mm. within 
within the, by the third month, I made 2,900, not total. That was the third month. And I'm not counting January as my first month because it was January 31st. So like, yeah, so <laughs> February was the first month, March, <laughs> April, I made $2,900, but like, and then in May I made like $4,000 <laughs> that month. And so, um, it was kind of amazing and it was like gratifying. I'm like, mm-hmm. see, it worked. Yes. And then, you know, but then COVID was happening and I was struggling, you know, then the other things were happening at the same time. And so now I'm reaching out to share more about now, like two years later, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let me talk to people and share like how it's possible because I think the world always needs, I like, I like more books and I like helping creative people make money so they don't have to be admin assistants where their like soul is draining out of their, you know, every day they come home, like, I don't like this. This is Mm. awful. Like, I'm like, no, you should be able to do what you love. So yeah, Yeah. that was long. No, that was perfect. There's a lot in there to uh, to pick apart. And I think the first thing is number one, it really upset me when you said uh, January, 2020, and then you were like two years later because time has just flown and that I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Um, No, no. But I mean, there's, there's quite a lot to, to go into there because there were so many points along the way where you could have stopped. And as you were talking, you were talking about this decision to do X, this decision to do Y, and each one of those could have been an obstacle to you getting to that point where you were making that money consistently, at least in the beginning, in, in releasing this romance. Um, but I want to just kind of hop back because I know that there are a lot of people out there, um, and I guess this kind of goes heavily into imposter syndrome, but, you know, who wants to talk to authors who wants to have that that experience of getting people on the podcast i mean i was the same i started writing in 2015 um released my first novella then which did pretty well um but it was 2016 i started a podcast with uh, a co-author of mine luke condor and it was a story studio podcast and it was actually luke that started inviting all these people on and i was like oh we're never gonna get these people on because you know they're, they're quite big names they're busy they've got jobs people are incredibly kind to share their knowledge and i think yes. realistically authors just love talking about themselves and having that platform to share um but what was it in that initial um what was that initial thought process in setting up a podcast because there are lots of different ways to connect and to learn but obviously you chose podcasting so what was it that that drew you to that form um well I had listened to a lot of podcasts like when I was at my job that I didn't love like the like for seven years (laughs) I'm like you know I was the admin assistant to a VP of sales in a very small company. And honestly, okay, I'm not working for anybody anymore. So like most people, like I was there to answer the phones and do some things, but so I had to be there for eight hours to be able to answer the phones. Right. But the work that I did didn't take eight hours, (laughs) you know, like the actual, like doing the things that I had. Mm -hmm. Now I did all of it. I did all of it well, but it didn't take me all the time to do, like, I listened to a lot of podcasts because that's what kept me going. Like, I'm like, okay, this is hard. I really like my soul is draining. I am like, I hate this, not because it's a bad job or because of people I work with, but just because it's not fulfilling me at all. Like, I know that I have something more to offer. And so I had listened to podcasts a lot having, cause you can work and listen to a podcast. <laughs> So like, you know, on my little making quotes for people and things, I can still mm-hmm. listen to a podcast while I'm doing that. And, you know, Pat Flynn and mine were mostly entrepreneurial podcasts. 
because I really like that. I, I really like, I was in the Silicon Valley where there's a lot of entrepreneurs and I was kind of vibing it and like, okay, you know, yeah, I could do this. It was like, it, it was listening to all these other stories of entrepreneurs, which is what authors are actually, but a hundred percent, but, but listening to all these people's, how they started stories, um, and, and, and having the right interviewer, like a good interviewer ask the questions that I wanted them to ask mm. when I needed it, <laughs> you know, and that kind of, there's an intimacy in podcasting, I think, because the voices and stuff. And, and then I got to ask, and then with the podcasting, like I, one, it's not that expensive to start. Mm-hmm. Like, like this microphone cost me uh, 60 bucks, <laughs> Nice, you know, and it's, which is, and it's a good mic. It like, sounds it good sound, on my end. Yeah. It makes me sound really good. And that was like, and I'm like, and then. Which microphone then I, is it? Just to, just to throw out something. It's a Samsung Q2U. Samsung Q2U. I've the show notes. <laughs> for anybody, for anybody starting, I would, I always, I go back every year to like double check, but Pat Flynn from the Smart Passive Income yes. podcast has a how to start a podcast guide that's free. It's like a blog post that's very lengthy. That's where I started. I just did that. I just did what Pat mm. Flynn. <laughs> He's well worth listening to. If people haven't listened to that podcast, he has been in the business for a long time and actually long brought time. a lot of entrepreneurs to their own yes. fame. So definitely yes. worth checking out. Yes. And I have like a mini, I'm like, oh, I fangirl over Pat Flynn. A little bit. He's just <laughs> like a, like, and Pat Flynn's like very like normal, you know, like it was podcasting also, like, especially for women, I think you don't have to be like super attractive. Like here I am, I'm doing this, you know, here with the camera, but like, you don't have to look good. And I'm not polished, Daniel. Like I am not a polished person. I'm not a polished speaker. I'm like, not, but I don't have to be in podcasting. Like I will attract the people who like me. So I like that. Yeah. No, I, uh, I definitely echo that a lot because, I mean, I leave in the stumbles in the podcast. I try and, like, I, I feel like if you get too polished, like you say, it almost alienates the people that you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's something about reaching, you know, it's, it's that down-to-earth vibe. And, you know, the stuff that we do of what I've seen of what you do as well is really trying to take people and show them that, like, it doesn't have to be for the people who are polished all the time. You know, mm-hmm. this kind of business is accessible to everyone. And I just want to spin around to something that you said earlier because I think um, – it's quite, it's quite uh, an important point, something that I learned a fair few years back. But this idea that you had a moment in which when you put all the course together that you, there was a part of you that was like, well, I haven't done this. So therefore the information that I'm giving people isn't valuable. And what I've certainly found years and years ago, I used to teach parkour, free running. And there was one guy who couldn't do a thing. Like he, he, there was nothing he could actually do. But the amount of times I'd be trying to do something and he'd give me a tiny bit of information because he just understood how the body moved, even though he didn't do it himself. And just those little bits of advice. And I think there is an element of that with certain coaches who, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily like, I think people look for those who have put their money where their mouth is. But at the same time, like there are people out there whose brains just work in that way that that even if you haven't done it, you know, and you can talk people through. And there's, a, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think how to explain it, but there is a weird process that comes with coaching when you're actually outside of someone else's business looking in. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how did you approach getting over that kind of imposter syndrome? I know you said, obviously you went through that course yourself, but was there yeah. anything else that you did specifically to, to strengthen your mind? 
Um, yeah, well, so I, I was at like a very low point at that point. Like I'd been working on this for a while and it was kind of like, okay, well, let me just see. Um, but I think what happened is, but like, there's a lot of factors, like life is so freaking complex and it's like the resistance and stuff. So, so my mom is narcissistic. Okay. We're going to go way into like therapeutic, like way back history. She's narcissistic. And I was like the, the, whatever the, the, there's the golden child. There's a scapegoat. I was a scapegoat. Mm -hmm. So I could never be more successful than her or I couldn't have a relationship with her. Um, and she's my primary parent. My dad kind of, you know, so it was like, so my whole life up until about that point, you know, and even at that point, it was me like devaluing myself mentally, like not allowing myself to, to recognize my skills or talents or things, you know, things that I'm good at, which I am good at what you're saying. I'm excellent at looking at <laughs> things and being like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't recognize it then. And I didn't value it then. And, you know, and so I was like at this low point, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And I didn't have, um, like, I didn't have some kind of, I did have imposter syndrome, but here's the thing. Like I realized in the last year <laughs> that I, valued myself so little that there was never anything to lose by reaching out to podcast, by reaching out to, if they said no, it was like, what? That just confirms. And if they said, yes, I was excited. Um, like I'm all, I also though, I've also realized I did Becca finds write better, faster, Becca signs, write better, faster. And I do have, um, activator, which is like to getting, get, mm -hmm. like to get something done. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to start a podcast. Let me email, let me message them, you know, like without thinking. So it's like this combo thing. Of, and so what I did, so later I was just like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I think it should, because I've spent four years doing this. So then I did it. And, but like other things were happening at the same time. I think I'm kind of woo woo. So I think the universe kind of brings things to happen <laughs> as they need to. So like that, you know, I had a, in March, just a couple months after when I'm still in this, like, I don't know, I think it's going to work and it's still barely work. You know, it's working, but I'm like, what it's working. And then my, both my grandparents, my mom's parents passed away. And, uh, and my husband and I've been trying to have a baby with IVF and we didn't, and then COVID started. So we couldn't try again. And then my mom stopped talking to me all in like two months while COVID was happening. And, uh, and at that point, the making money with my book was the only thing that was working. <laughs> it was the only thing that was going well. It went from being the thing that wasn't working in December to being the only thing that was working. And it actually, the fact that I was making money was like, okay, I can spend money I can like go to a therapist. I can do the things I need to do because I have this money from mm. these books. Like it was a miracle. It was miraculous for me, but, mm. but I also am like, I, I did put, it's like this weird, like it isn't just me though, but it's also, I put a heck ton of work. I put a lot of work in, Yeah, you know, like, so I don't even know if that answers the question exactly, 
I think I think we got there. So talk me through <laughs> talk me through <laughs> that moment that the money actually started to come in because yeah. I know I, for a lot of authors, for a lot of you know earlier authors, and even those that have been trying for a while and haven't quite you know hit their groove, found you mm-hmm. know the the right um, vein to tap. There is this sense that you know it's for the lightning strikes, it's for the people that you know it's oh, yeah. it's the one in a thousand, one in a hundred thousand, whatever it is, and it seems like this elusive thing that can never come. And obviously, we hear lots of stories about authors who are making the money in it, and, and it happens. Um, so, what what was it like for you when it, the the numbers oh started to, to pile up and it started happening? You say like the numbers started to pile up. Like I was like, the, the, like at like a thousand page reads or 800 page reads, you know, a day, (gasps) because when you're writing 40 page books, Mm. 800 page reads is math here. 20 people. Yeah. I'm I'm not good at on this, but that sounds about right. Okay. I'm like two zeros. (laughs) Yeah. So that's 20 people Mm. that I don't know reading my book. And I'm like, Oh, you know, because it's a big deal because they don't know me. They don't know. And and I was new, brand new pen name. You know, I didn't have any kind of anything. Um, And so as as it's going and I did enroll like a friend of mine who was a writer, I was like, do you want to try this with me? And we were both kind of like, okay. Like we had nothing. We're like, okay. Mm -hmm. And so we were both doing it and comparing and we're like, oh, oh, oh." (laughs) like, oh, you know, and it was, um, and for me, it was thrilling on multiple levels because I'm like, oh like not only is it working it, it's working like mm-hmm. my program is working so on an author level just as a writer it's exciting and thrilling because you're like people that I don't know are giving me five-star reviews like that was very exciting um and then just as a it just was very gratifying especially in the middle midst of all this crazy emotional stuff to be like okay I do have something that I'm good at <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> see <laughs> you know so that was it was but I I don't take it for granted and I I, I try not to take it for granted because yeah. it's because I know and, and you know sometimes when I'm you know I can't all I'm not good at all the time appreciating it but I do I try to take time to be like these are real people who are either giving me their money or giving me their time and time we all know is like a real like it's the most valuable thing Mm-hmm. Like an hour of time during someone's day to give to my book is yeah. special. They could be spending that with their kid or their, you know, somebody, <laughs> you know, they could be doing something. They gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, every time as I'm watching those numbers go up and up, I'm like, this is special. I love it. It's, it's still special. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. Beautiful. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you experimented with form you essentially went for what is I guess much much shorter than mm-hmm. what your genre dictates and managed mm-hmm. to find success in that was there any kind of kickback at all from readers going oh this this was a really really quick read or was it did people just kind of take to that as a as a means of story yeah well actually I mean there is a there's a category for it there's a category for short um for there's like multiple there's like a I haven't actually read in the 15 minute romance category but there's like a I most mine are about an hour but there's a 45 minute romance an hour romance a 90 minute romance and a two hour romance and so I on Amazon yeah yeah interesting okay yes Uh, yeah I mean 
if you click through like Kindle top, if you go to like the cat or Kindle and you scroll down to romance and you scroll down, mm. um, I think you might, it might have a short reads under okay. romance. So it doesn't break it down to 90, 40. I don't think it, it just does short reads, but if you, cause you know, Amazon has like hidden categories that you can't mm-hmm. just access easily. So it's, um, so what I did before I started writing is I went and I read some of the books that were in there to see what the stories were like, <laughs> you know, cause there's already an audience. It's a much smaller audience than just standard romance, but there is an audience for people who just want a short story. And then, and I believe, I mean, you'll find sometimes you'll see um, bigger authors and bigger categories or other, like you'll see like a sci-fi who they do a novella hmm. and then they make it to the top of the short story, 90 minute fiction you know, cause the bigger one. Yeah. So I just followed it and there was an audience of people who already love them. And so I just kind of was like, I'm here too now. <laughs> <laughs> like, If you want to try reading mine and they did. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And yeah, it was a series, right? Yeah. I started with a series cause series, I think series are a lot easier to sell long-term. Like that's one of the strategies. Yeah. You know, one you that- kind of, I link them. Yeah, it's one that I've I've been in the business like seven years, and it's one that I've yet to kind of branch out with my own fiction because I've done a lot of collaboration, mm-hmm. and um, it's I, I I'm looking quite heavily into series at the minute just to yeah, like my co-author, my we we I co-write now because we realized after a couple of years that we have very complementary writing skills, but nice. initially, since we're really good friends, we wrote. I wrote one series, just mine, but then at almost at the same time, we wrote a series together where she would write one book. I'd write one. She'd write one. I'd write one. Mm. They're in the same world because we're friends. We could collaborate. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this guy. Can you put him in the epilogue of your book? So that, you know, people are like, who's that? And mm-hmm. then they move to my book and then I'll do the same, same, same. And, and from the beginning, we put all of our books in the same world. <laughs> We actually, and since you're releasing pretty quickly, there's a lot of books. Yeah. And so we've actually have now we have a little map so that we're consistent about (laughs) like, (laughs) how far is it from Fairview to Oakwood city? Let's Mm -hmm. make sure we're consistent on that because we have all of our books are in the same world. We can bring other characters in from previous books if we want, if it's handy. Yeah. Love that. And just for perspective, how many books is that in total off the top of your head? Um, Right now it's around 50. (laughs) in two years those are just mine she has hers too damn <laughs> yeah but well you imagine okay if you're writing what what we did was nice because a, a lot of the authors in the space they release one a week on their own and what she and i did because i'm like i'm one a week we did um one every other week but we would alternate so like yeah i would get two weeks to write my twelve thousand word book and, and then we would read each other's for editing and cop and, and proofing, you know, so we did it mostly a lot of it together. And again, that's another reason, like I say the 3000 to three, you know, I say that how fast, but because it's sexy, <laughs> but yeah. there's a lot in it to make it work like that, you mm-hmm. know, like it's more than that, but I want people to come in first to see that it can work. And then I explain how much goes into it yeah yeah <laughs> but I like it. I, I like just the fact that you know you've you've made it work for you you found a way that you yeah. know you can release your stuff consistently and um there's a 
an author friend of mine who the typical sort of books around you know horror and post-apocalyptic tend to be around 60 to eighty thousand words mm-hmm. and i had no idea that they were pumping out books and i was like oh, how are you doing it and they're like oh no that mine are about 35 to forty thousand words and you think like you know how much of a time difference that makes now i think mm-hmm. i've had a few conversations with them um, my activated authors community recently about word counts and how obviously it's good as a guide but essentially they're arbitrary because as long as the story's solid as long as it like delivers on the tropes and it's there, it could be anything from like 40,000 to 170,000 words. As long as people are invested in the story, we, mm-hmm. we, we very easily get caught up in these word counts. So I really like that, you know, you've been able to go, we're going to make them shorter, but we're going to keep them coming out consistently. They're going to be branded. They're going to be in the same world. And you've managed to build this universe, this property that is just, you know, cycling and, and bringing new people in and, and, and making it happen. So mm-hmm. I like that, that kind of, outside thinking seems to be a theme through a lot of your journey in the sense of you know uh, i'm just i'm going to start a podcast because i want to learn um i'm going to put up a course based off of you know the people i've spoken to um yeah where where does that come from because i know that you said obviously you were never sort of supported into yeah. the creative arts and you know i'm, I'm my journey is a bit different I, w- I was never supported but i was never discouraged it was kind of like if i wanted to mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh there you go off you go have a play and like see how that mm-hmm. goes um where where do you think that comes from in you I think it's always been like, I think I've always had this, like, I know it could be better. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know it can be better. Do I believe, did I like, did I believe it all the time? No. Like, did I believe it for myself? No. But was I, will? here's the thing. I can either settle and just let it be this, whatever, like, and, and sometimes it was bad you know, like, and we're, but what it's, it's, but it really is wherever you're at. You're like, this could either be it <laughs> or <laughs> it could be something else. <laughs> and like, I've never been, my life has never been so loved, like great in all the ways. Like I've had definitely amazing friends, amazing different times, but there's never been a time when there wasn't something that I was like, this could do I want to just stay in this admin job where nobody appreciates me? Mm. No, <laughs> like, yeah. so it's either this and I, and I went and I searched other jobs, you know, but, it, but, but I'm like, but generally speaking, I'm like, I'm really smart and I'm really go-getter and I'm, and most managers are not the kind that appreciate that actually as much as I do. <laughs> like yep. in house and and in and in and like an appropriate, an appropriate level of appreciation for how awesome I am at those jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, uh-huh. do I want to have these people not appreciate me for the rest of my life? Or do I want to do something else? And it's always been like, well, and I I, I do this, I do this a lot. I say especially with big decisions. Like I, when I was teaching in New York um, and I was getting very, very depressed because uh, it's cold and dirty. Like I like New York, like I love New York. I love the kids, but I was getting depressed. And, uh, but I was doing Teach for America, which, is a, which was a, a program where you could get your master's degree while you teach. So mm. I joined that. So I was getting my teaching master's at Queens University, at Queens College at the same time as teaching. So it's like they pay for the schooling, but the master's program that I was in was a three-year program and I'd been there for two years and I was really depressed and I was struggling. And I was like, okay, have a choice. I can stay on this path here 
for another year and get even more depressed because it's not getting better. Or (laughs) I can choose something else, something that's a question mark that I don't know what it will be, (laughs) but I know that it won't be this, Uh you know, and, um, and I, but that, that's an example, but I do actually that quite a bit where I'm like, okay, looking (laughs) this or possibly something better, like, or if it's a different situation, I can be like, okay, presume all these things happen. Here's what's the, what's the worst. Like I lose my job. I da, 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 da. Like what will then happen? Mm-hmm. And usually it's usually the fear is bigger than like when I actually look about the actual results of what's going to happen. Like, okay, what's going to happen if I start a podcast and ask people to be on it? <laughs> they say no. Then what, what have I lost? Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still in the same spot. But if they say yes, then I get something. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm like, I'm like, I'm willing to go for the possibility. I'm willing to take action towards the possibility of something better Yeah, because I don't want to settle for not being happy. Yeah. I've <laughs> um, quite a lot of parallels in, in my old day job. Uh, I was set to do a qualification with them and I'd put, I think a year and a half, two years into that. Mm-hmm. I had one year left to go. Um, and the option was either stay with them to work and, you know, they kind of pay for it or mm-hmm. I leave and then I pay the remainder and do all the study and then carry on. And I, I was the same. It was, it was that choice between, you know, <laughs> happiness or another year of, like, it wasn't misery, but it definitely wasn't like, I was definitely done with a lot of the, the crap <laughs> mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of comes with that kind of job. But sometimes it is, it is taking that risk and you're right. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? Like I fail at the thing that I try and then I get another job and I'm back in the same position that I was. It's, you know, life, life is a very, very short thing to sit in misery. Yeah. Yes. And I like being happy. Like I mm. like feeling good. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to put the effort in, you know, cause I'm like time. I, and I see the lot of like time is going to pass regardless. Like these five years are going to pass a year is going to pass. Two years going to pass whether I'm working towards my dream or not working towards my dream. So I can either in two years be like, I tried and it didn't work. Or I can be like, I tried and it did work. Or I could just be like, oh, I never tried, but it's still going to, it's still going to, I'm still going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah. So you went and you started writing the series and you obviously have all the podcasts and the author like a boss. How did the reality of full-time creation match your expectation mm. or did it? Mm, that's a good question. Um, it was, well, I stopped doing the podcast at that point. Cause I didn't just cause emotionally and mentally, I didn't have, like, there was so much going on for me. Like I stopped, I did minimal coaching. Cause I was like, I did minimal coaching. Like I had a couple one-on-one people that I was like, Hey, I'll show you. Um, but I stopped doing the podcast cause I just didn't have the bandwidth. Um, And, and so it was actually, it, here's the thing. Writing is not my first love. Like, so it's not my first love. Uh, And for most authors that I talk to, it is my first love is helping people, (laughs) helping creative people make money. Like that's what I'm, you know, I think there's a, I can't remember the name of the book, but you'll know what I mean. Like it's a, 
your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. I can't remember what book that's from. I think it's Wayne, Wayne Dyers or something. Anyway, so the zone of excellence is things that you're really good at, but they don't light you up. And the zone of genius is the things that you're really good at, but that fuels you and lights you up. And so I'm excellent at writing books, but they don't fuel me <laughs> and light me up. <laughs> And so what fuels me and lights me up and gives me energy and like what I love to do is help creative people make money, mm. especially women for me, but I didn't start out that way. It just, it just, it just turns out that I appeal mostly to women <laughs> because, <laughs> just because of my energy and tone or whatever, like, I'm, uh -huh. um, but, but that's what I love. So when I started writing, like I was so grateful because it gave me the money that I needed when I needed it, mm. but it's not, but I've actually stopped. I haven't published for a little bit, um, in a few months. Cause my co-writer, my gradually, my co-writer, my friend who I started with, we started co-writing because I like outlining and revising. But I don't actually really enjoy the actual writing part. It's hard <laughs> for me. Like I'm mm -hmm. good at it, but it's hard. And she likes the just but she mm -hmm. doesn't like outlining <laughs> or revising. And I was like, perfect sound. Da, da, da. Uh -huh. yes. And so we started co-writing um, and that has been lovely for us, but she, she, we had a little bit of burnout because she works full time. She's a single mom. Mm. <laughs> so we couldn't. So now we're kind of rearranging things. We're working on a new pen name, something we enjoy that fuels us a little more with the co-writing still. And I've decided like from this point on, I will probably only co-write because I enjoy it because I'm tired of doing things that don't feel good, basically. Yeah. Like I'm like, if I can do this with co-writing and split the profits and she does what she loves and I do what I love, why not do that? Yep. Totally feel that. Was the book uh, The Genius Zone by Gay Hendricks? Yes. There we go. That one. No. 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 That's probably the next, that's probably the second one, but it is by Gain Hendricks. It has a picture of an apple on it for the cup. We'll find it. We'll pop it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll hop it in. But, but it yeah. is by Gay Hendricks. Okay, perfect. That's a good starting point. <laughs> <laughs> but I like what, what you kind of you know described there is, is the journey of being a writer. And I think one thing I really try and dispel with this podcast and with the work that I do with um, Activated Authors is that it's not helpful to see authors who are, you know, making the big bucks and on the outside, it all just looks like, oh, it's easy. They get up from like eight till 10, they'll write and then they do a little bit of marketing and it's all just easy. Like there is a journey. There's an element of, you know, human and life. And, you know, you have you know, things with your parents and your friends and all these relationships and stuff that impact what it is to, to be an author. Um, and it sounds like, you know, over your journey, what I like is you've not been scared to kind of go, this isn't working for me. And like you say, there is a better way and to get to the point where you're at at the minute with your co-writer where you know it's they they draft you do the outlines and stuff and then you know uh, edit after just seems like a perfect setup and it is i know even for me it's been a case of i've switched genre i've worked with different people i've tried different styles i've gone different schedules i've written a lot and then i've written a lot less and you know it's it's consistency is i think something that everyone tries to cling to but it's really difficult to be consistent actually i don't think it's all that healthy for you know growth mm -hmm. to be consistent all the time for over a series of years um mm -hmm. i mean obviously you don't know where this co-writing relationship is going to go at the minute but one thing that i really like that you mentioned there was something that's a bit more sustainable for you in terms of you know enjoyment or you know where your passions align how do you view sustainability how how are you approaching reaching that point of being able to write and keep the the train moving forward 
Yeah. And so, so there was something I want to touch on that you said in there, but now I lost it too. I shouldn't, have, I should be <laughs> taking notes for like remembering, um, for sustainability, what we're doing. So the, the downside of the short romances is that they're very formulaic. Like mm -hmm. it's the positive and the not like it's a positive in terms of like producing, you know, but it's also like, imagine that you have to come up with a whole new couple, two whole new characters, two character arcs. Cause we do good ones. We do good ones that have like almost a full, they have a full story arc in many with a full character arcs in many every week or two. <laughs> like it's a lot, that's a lot of creative generating not just the writing part but like okay new ideas every time that are not the same as the ones that you did a week ago or two weeks ago or six weeks like six months ago like it's hard to make them all different but so it so that creatively is not very fueling because you there's not you don't have enough words in the short story in a short romance to play that much there's not enough words to play and stay in that genre and so sustainability wise, we are, um, we've, we've shifted away. We're probably going to release one a month, maybe <laughs> on that, just to kind of keep ourselves alive. We're going to focus on, um, we're going to, I'm going to plan on, I'm, we're going to work on um, rebranding. So I'll make new covers, you know, look at the blurbs, update the back matter, which we didn't do because it takes a lot of time to update the back matter on 50 mm. looks. <laughs> Like you have to format everything. <laughs> oh, Jesus, like can you imagine? Yeah, yes, yes, I can. <laughs> so we have other ways that we're going to try and make them make money without having to do a month, you know, a book a week or a book every two weeks. Um, and then while we're doing that, so it's easier to kind of reformat because it takes a different part, like that, it does take a different part of the brain than actually the generating ideas. Mm -hmm. So now we're working on longer books, different pen names, different topic, you know, something that, we, we add, we like the paranormal, like dragons, like yes. we were doing contemporary romance and it's like not enough. Like exactly I also like dragons. magic. Yes. Uh -huh. I like having magic in books because there's so much more that you can do mm. when there's magic. Cause you're not constrained by, is that realistic? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yes, it is in this world. Cause it's magic, you know? Mm -hmm. So, which, which fuels, you know, which helps the sustainability because you're like, we're having more fun now because we get to play more. There's more room to play, more words to play, more worlds to play in. And, uh, so that's the main, and we're not putting that schedule on ourselves because yeah. we're not like, okay, we have to do, do it like this. We're like, well, let's just play with it a little bit. Like we have money still coming. Like I still, I haven't released a book since December. And right now it's the end of May. Mm -hmm. And I still get, um, I still made like 2,500 bucks <laughs> <Can't complain>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> without having without did nothing. Now I do have some ads going and I haven't looked how much I spent, but like, but like Amazon ads, just Am yeah. Amazon ads, but that's it. And with that, nothing. <laughs> well, that's that's so the beauty like, of this, isn't it? That's the point yes, of what well, we yes. do, that residual ongoing yes. effect. Yes. So it's like in, in five months. I've done nothing, not even a newsletter, <laughs> like, but we're going to, we're, we're going to ramp it back up because I'm like, Oh, we can do. Yeah. But so that's kind of the sustainability is working on something that fuels 
our creative sustainability while also like, I think we're going to do like a series a month, rebranding the things that we already created to make them more. Cause at this point, the first books, the first series are two years old. Their covers are, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. love that. Um, we are getting close to time. So I've got a couple more bits I want to touch on. <gasps> I know it goes I can so quickly. Talk about this forever. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Definitely have to get you back on to uh, expand on this chat because there's a lot of yeah. places that we could go. Um, but one thing that we've kind of teased around a lot is the fact that you know you had seventy authors come on your podcast and you distilled mm-hmm. a lot of information from them and put it into your course. Um, are you happy to share a couple of the universal yeah. truths that came from these authors and sort of big lessons that you learned that went into your your program? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the there's a couple of them like newsletters. Okay. That's an easy one. <laughs> have a newsletter, but I think the one that it doesn't, there's the two that I would say that don't get touched on as much. One is like the, the, um, the tribe, I call it refine your tribe, which is the community of people that you like finding other authors mm-hmm. in your genre that are doing that, that you can befriend, not in like a, not in a sleazy networky way, although it is networking kind of, but like it's a very fine in, line. <laughs> it's a very fine line, but like, but I think the line is easier for authors because we're authors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we don't usually, most of the authors I know are not comfortable even with sales until they practice because they're creatives first, not entrepreneurs first. So when you go to meet people, you're really meeting people as like potential friends. Cause we've all been to like the bookstore and you go into the section that you love and you're, you're like reaching for a book and somebody else, maybe we haven't all, but like somebody else is there also looking at the same books and you're like instant friends almost because you're, you're like, you love that series. So do I, and there's <laughs> like, yes. And that's how it is with other authors in your genre, because they're writers who love the same <laughs> topics that you do i mean look at daniel and i have never spoken before this and we're like no. dragons books friends <laughs> yes. you know it's really easy and natural and there's a lot of opportunity like practically there's a lot of opportunities that comes from like group series or anthologies or mm-hmm. newsletter swaps or but it's not like you're doing like i want to do a new you're like oh you're my friend of course i want to promote your book in my newsletter and vice versa so yeah. that's one thing is developing those friendships and relationships is important. And I don't think talked about that much. And then the second thing is, um, that author brand is not just like the colors on your website, like your brand, (laughs) (laughs) your brand is it's, it, it is the colors on your website. It's all and social media, but it's, your book cover, but not just even your book cover. It's the words that you use in your description. It's the characters <laughs> themselves are part of your brand. Mm-hmm. It's the setting in the book. Like there's aspects of your stories that are your brand. And because I remember I like one of, I had a friend of a friend who knew Shannon Mayer. And so she was my sixth interview. <laughs> <laughs> which was big for me when I first started. Okay. So Shannon Mayer is massive indie author. And she told me like at that point, she'd been writing these like kind of badass heroines and her readers expected that. And she did a series, like one, like three book, a trilogy 
that where the heroin was just a little bit softer. Now it was still action. It was still urban fantasy. It was still all every, like all the things. And actually she told me on that interview that that was actually, she thought it was like a better story and one of her better series, but people didn't like it as much because the heroine wasn't quite as badass mm. as they'd been in the previous. Now, does that mean you can't do it? No, like you can write the books that you want, but your readers will notice. And that's part of your brand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you can be in alignment and I like to, I'd really like to qualify this because I don't, I like right to market so long as you love the market. Yes. Like I have the, like my whole, everything in my course is about finding where readers, what readers love and what you love and where they overlap. And that's what I call the sweet spot with yeah. marketing, branding tropes. Yeah. 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 So that's what I would say is the branding is more than people think. And it's mm -hmm. very important. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I, I want to dive into that more, but unfortunately, I know, we but we don't um, have time. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. okay. I, I would love to chat again. Oh, hundred percent. Well, so we'll okay. sort something out. Um, yeah. So I've got two more questions. One is a bit of a, a new thing, which I'm very, very excited to kind of bring into the, even the people listening to this don't know that it's going to happen yet. Not to put any pressure on you. Um, <laughs> but okay. the, the last main question for myself is the same question that I ask all of my guests that come on the show. Um, and that question is, why do you, Ella, write? Oh, I write, and this is not the answer that I expected that came up, but I write because because so many other people wrote for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know. I'm like, I'm about to cry. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is why is because those, people, there are people that saved my life mm -hmm. literally in the last two years, there was a time when I was like, essentially like in a very, very dark, like dark mm -hmm. trigger warning place. And there was two series of books that I could read. And I did, that's all I could do. I was like, okay. Like in between writing my own books in between, I was like, okay, besides writing these, my own books to make sure I have the money, I'm reading this, these two series and they saved my life, literally like they saved my life. So I write to, if I can be that for somebody else. That's powerful. I've never heard the <laughs> phrase like that before as well. And like, you're right. There were, um, and normally I don't expand at this point, but like, so I remember there was very, very distinctly, um, it was a nonfiction book for me that I'm always like, oh, that book was like powerful at the time that I needed it, but mm -hmm. it's never been phrased to the point of like, oh, but a guy wrote that and gifted mm -hmm. that to the world. Like without that person behind it, that would have been nothing. For people interested, that book was Fuck It by John C. Parkin, um, mm. which kind of teaches how in Western culture, saying the word fuck it, is catharsis in the same sense that buddhism teaches zen it's that yes. idea of letting go so you get all wound up oh you get God. all pent up and then you say fuck it and it, it dispels it's gone i want to start a podcast that's called actually i've already i've already taken the i've already gotten the domain name it's like the other side of fuck it nice <laughs> because, because it's like everything you want is on the other side of fuck it it uh -huh. started but in my two books, let me tell you the two series that were worked for me. So I'm like, yes, Daniel. Yes. 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 Um, but the ones that, the ones that I saved my life were, there was the ghost mountain, the ghost mountain series by Audrey Faye, which I found like through a miracle of the universe, because it's like hmm. the covers, it's not my normal genre. It's not like, but beautifully written for character 
healing like the characters are amazing mm-hmm. and then christy cunning's um the pretty monster all the pretty monsters series which is a reverse harem uh but like it's reverse harem but her plots are so complex it like kept my interest i could you could read it five times it's like one of the ones like i wish i could read it from the first time again because it's oh, so yeah. surprising and i just want to mention she passed away last year she was one of the people i wanted to interview like she was like on my dream interview yeah. list and she passed away in like a car accident and so if you are have any interest like i don't know how long her family or people are going to keep her books up mm-hmm. so if you're like i'm curious get them get them <laughs> yeah get them now go read them <laughs> okay oh, man. okay All right so i am as of this episode adding in a new section um to this podcast and i am kind of unashamedly stealing it from another podcast i don't know if you listen to uh diary of a ceo with stephen bartlett it's um it's a british sort of entrepreneurial podcast that started a couple of months ago and it's it's raving across but he has a section at the end where essentially each of his guests when they say goodbye on the podcast will write down a question for the next guest to answer so what i had was last week's guest write down a question for you to answer um so if you're up for it i've got it's actually two questions i'd like to throw at you So the questions are, what keeps you up at night and what gets you up in the morning? Hmm. What keeps me up at night is, well, last night it was all the thoughts of this web, (laughs) the sales page that I've been working (laughs) on. I'm like, I'm having trouble. You know, sometimes you only work all day and then when you fall asleep, you dream of the work that you did and you're like, Uh, I don't even feel like, but that's, but generally speaking, what keeps me up at night is that worry that am I good enough? You know, it's the base, it's the base of, you know, for, it's the base fear of everything. Like, am I good enough to coach these people? Am I good mm-hmm. enough for them to believe me? Am I good enough to write these books? Am I, even though, you know, I'm doing it, <laughs> mm-hmm. that am I good enough and the consequences of not being good enough? Yeah. Like if I'm not good enough, then I won't be able to support myself if I'm not. So that's the fear. That's the thing that keeps me up. And I try to just, you know, journal my way through it or something, but what, and what gets me up in the morning, um, kind of the, what gets me up in the morning is a number of things. It's just like catching me right in the middle of like all my, everything's shifting for me right now. So it's like, <laughs> I, I want to, like, I'm a, I'm a happy person generally. And I've recently realized that like, I, me being in the world, like not me being by myself behind a computer in COVID time, but Mm -hmm. like, like the only way that the way that I do better, like, I can't think about being happy and be happy. I have to explore being happy and being happy. And I can only do that with other people. <laughs> like I can't thinking about being, you know, feeling good and vibing in alone in my house. It's just thinking about it. It's not being it. <laughs> the only way I can, I realized recently, the only way I can be it like as myself being it is by expressing it with other people. And so, and I have a, I hope I don't feel like arrogant, sound arrogant or something, but I have a talent. It's like what people come to me for all the entrepreneurial things. They say, Mm -hmm. what do people come to you for? What do people come to you for? You know, do they come to you for your like cupcake recipe? Do they come to you? Like, what do they ask you for advice or whatever? And mine 
nobody asks me for advice. They come to me when they want to feel good. (laughs) I'm like the common denominator is that people want to feel good. They come to me like, ah, and they leave like, yeah. (laughs) And on almost any topic. And so I'm like, I want to lean into that now. Like I want to lean into, because I enjoy it too. Mm -hmm. Cause I am like, yeah, me being happy and helping other people feel good is we all end up feeling good, including me. So why not do more of that? Yeah. And that's is what is getting me up. And I listened to Edward stars, 25 miles, 25 miles from home, girl. (laughs) Like I listened to that this morning and that's like, that kind of funk gets me up. <laughs> Perfect. It's a superpower. People need it. And especially yeah. during, like, I, I've definitely felt within COVID that whole, like, I'm doing all this stuff, but it's behind the screen and I want to do this stuff in person. So again, yeah. another parallel, it's on my agenda to start doing like more in-person stuff and get back out yes. to the world. Yes, me too. COVID can fuck off at this point. Daniel. <laughs> so now you need to know my question. Ooh. We'll do that. So we'll write it down oh. after. Okay. And then, oh, so we'll keep it a surprise. And then, yeah, you so don't have to do it on the spot. A, okay, okay. Yeah, that, okay. And then we'll, we'll list it off in next week's. Um, but I do have one final question, which is yeah. where can my listeners find out everything about yourself and all that you're working on? Okay. Uh, the best place right now is authorlikeaboss.com, which I'm redoing all the sites to make it look really, like, like to bring it up to speed with what I've done in the last two years. Because I, yeah. So authorlikeaboss.com is the best place to find my myself as like coach. And then like Liz Fox, I guess Amazon. <laughs> I don't even have a website for her. <laughs> so on there, it's so, clearly selling. But it's easy. But the author name is part of the brand because it's mm. you can't misspell it. And it's only two syllables. Liz Fox. <laughs> Perfect. All planned. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, so a big thank you, Ella, for joining me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure on my side yeah. to have you on and to, to pick your brain for an hour yeah. or so. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. No worries. A massive thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. As always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else that we've got going on. And one more time from me and Ella, goodbye, and I will see you next week. Activate your energy.